Hello, I'm Brett Gilliland, host of the Circuit of Success podcast, and here's what's coming up. You know, the grind is the grind, and it's part of the job. It, you know, it's like, a, you know, we have a great job, and it's, it's a different job. We're, enter, we're into entertainment, right? Our job is to be a conduit between the team and the fans and try to explain what's going on so that they have a better and a fuller understanding and appreciation. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Chip Carey with me. Chip, how you doing? I'm doing great, Brett. How are you? I'm good, man. It's good to be with you. You are uh, the new voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. We're, well, new. We're a couple. We're about a month and a half in now, right? <laughs> well, the newness hasn't worn off. I'm still the new guy. So uh, that's yeah, right. It's been a wonderful experience and uh, really a dream come true. Growing up here and never imagining this opportunity would take place. Uh, it's been quite a whirlwind last several four or five months, but hey, that's the life we've chosen, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So off we that's go. right. Well, I'm sure you're. I'm, I'm sure you're glad that we're talking now, eight days uh, later than say seven days ago. Because what, what are we? Seven of the last eight, some victories here for the Cardinals. Yeah, it's a lot more fun when you win. Uh, it's been a topsy turvy season, but that's the nature of the game. Uh, we say it all the time. You play 162 for a reason. That's right. And I, in today's world, everybody gets caught up in the instantaneous results of one off game. Doesn't determine how a guy's going to play, or a pitcher's going to pitch, or a team's going to perform over the course of 162. But uh, yeah, that was a very good week last week, and a uh, good start to the series against the Brewers. Right. Hopefully, we can put 20 on them tonight. I think what we were yeah. So what was it? 20 last night. It was 18. Okay, that's what I thought. I turned, yeah. Just increased by 10% every game. You feel really good about your chances. I like it. I like I like our odds. Yeah. I like our odds. That's good. Well, if you can, I always start all my podcast, Chip, with, you know, kind of what's made you the man you are today. And and obviously people know your story and, and know who you are, but I think it's important to hear it from the horse's mouth, right? And so if you could kind of share a little bit of the background story, what's made you the man you are today? I guess experience, uh, you know, the old saying, it takes a village, is really true. I wouldn't be in professional broadcasting were it not for my dad and my grandfather. I didn't know Harry very well. Uh, didn't really spend a lot of time with my dad until I was almost in college. My parents were divorced. I remember him leaving when I was a five-year-old. And, um, you know, he pulled out of the driveway. And I said to my mom, where's dad going? Because it was the off-season for him. And she said, he's going on a long road trip. That's how he, she kind of <laughs> explained uh, their split. Uh, my wife, obviously, uh, we have four children and she's had to be mother and father for six, seven months a year for the 27 years we've been married, uh, allowing me to fulfill my dream and go out and talk about baseball and provide for our family, obviously. Uh, she's certainly a rock. My kids are certainly an inspiration for me. It's the best thing I ever did is having four children. I have a 25 year old daughter. I did identical twin 23-year-old sons who are broadcasters in Amarillo, Texas for the Sod Poodles, and a 14-year-old as well. So at 58, I've been blessed. Uh, but as far as experience goes, um, you know, I learned a lot from my dad and father and what not to be as much as what to be. And I think that's a really important lesson for anybody. Uh, Larry didn't really value family, didn't understand that until much later in his life. Uh, my dad didn't take care of himself as well as he would have. And in the latter stages of his life, that came back to haunt him. Um, but, the, you know, the less lessons of life that they taught me, tell the truth, be yourself, be honest, and uh, show up at work every day talking about a game and a sport you love, that's going to carry you a long way. And if you'll pardon the pun, that's exactly what's yeah. happened. <laughs> well, you've had a hell of a career, man. I Just to name a few, I didn't know this until I was doing my research, but you were with the Mariners. Uh, but even before that, you were with the Orlando Magic from 89 to 98. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think, was that Shaquille O'Neal time? Yeah, well, that was even before that. 89 was their expansion year. I was 24 yeah. years old. And uh, to my point earlier about uh, uh, 
it takes a village, a man named Bob Neal, who knew my dad and knew of me and saw Pat Williams, who was the general manager and the man responsible for getting the expansion team in Orlando. Yeah. And he talked to Pat at the All-Star Game in Houston, Texas that year. And Pat said to Bob Neal, hey, we're looking for an announcer. And Bob said, well, I think Chip Carey would be a perfect choice for you. And Pat said, Skip Carey would want to come do our games. And Bob said, no, 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 not Skip. It's Chip. <laughs> Chip's son. And Pat, who had worked with my grandfather and knew my dad, said, quote, oh, God, there's another one. Uh, so <laughs> at the age of 24, I was hired as an expansion announcer for the Orlando Magic. Uh, the team won 15 games. I was worse than the team. I had no idea what I was getting into. I kind of did the Bob Costas route when he took the spirits of St. Louis job. He told Rudy Marsky, oh, yeah, I've done a lot of college or a lot of college basketball, a lot of pro basketball, I have all kinds of experience. I didn't know sports, <laughs> but I had great partners and a great uh, support staff. And there's nothing better as a young announcer than starting with a team from the ground up because you grow together. And yeah. to your point, yeah, they drafted Shaq, they drafted Penny Hardaway, got really, really good, didn't win an NBA title. But I had seven great years in Orlando, met my wife there and, uh, you know, lived there for 20 plus years until we moved uh, to St. Augustine, Florida, where we live now. And uh, a lot of fond memories of Orlando. Nice. St. Augustine, I think. Is that the oldest town in the country? Oldest city in America. Don't let the pilgrims fool you. Uh, our city started <laughs> in 1565. That was 40 years before uh, Plymouth Rock and the pilgrims and Jamestown and all of that stuff. And it truly is a magical place. My wife went to Flagler College there. Uh, okay. Florida, so brief history lesson, Henry Flagler was John Rockefeller's business partner. He was the railroad guy. And he built a railroad from Jacksonville, Florida, all the way to Key West, Florida, built it himself. And I think he spent wow. $200 million in 1800s money, and it was all his. That's how wealthy he was in the Gilded Age of America. It's a, a truly a fabulous, fabulous place. To That's play. crazy. Have you watched uh, How I Built This? Have you ever seen yeah. that on like, yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, there's a, there's a, um, uh, a great book called Last Train to Paradise that talks about how the, the railroad was built. Uh, Henry Flagler founded the city of Miami. He built the breakers in Palm Beach by himself, <laughs> built the railroad all the way down to Key West. The, the Hotel Casa Marina is it was his residence down there. And uh, just the, 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 the trials and tribulations, what people went through in surviving the hurricanes and all of that. It's truly a, a wonderful read, but it's a beautiful part of paradise. And that's probably where they'll, they'll plant me in six feet under, hopefully, in three or four years. <laughs> that's right. Really, really fortunate, blessed to live there for sure. Well, I uh, I originally I met you down with Brad Thompson down in Florida there in the booth at spring training, and uh, it's funny I, I stayed at a different hotel, but I was I went to the Breakers and uh, I actually got online there. I'm like, oh, I'll stay at the Breakers. You know, it's a nice little place. I'm close, and didn't realize it was going to be about four thousand a night for a normal hotel room. So hopefully that guy is still getting some residual income off that. It's only money. You can't take it with you. They don't build a box big enough. But yeah, that's it's, right. It's a remarkable place, and it's a remarkable part of the world. And um, you know, as, as great as that is, uh, coming back to St. Louis and uh, rekindling all the friendships and, and familial relationships, and revisiting all the places that I haunted as a kid and teenager and college, uh, high school student, has really been one of the most rewarding parts of this job. And uh, to be welcomed back so warmly by so many. Uh, mostly because of the works of my dad and grandfather is a really, really a special thing. It's not lost on life's good. It's really good. Yeah, it's great. So tell us a little bit, if you can, I mean, how did this go down? How, I mean, do you get a phone call from somebody and they say, Hey I man, did. we want you to, yeah. Yeah. I was under contract in Atlanta and, uh, my standard line with that has been I fully intended to retire as a member of the, of the Bally family in Atlanta. I've been there 20 years and made it very clear that I wanted to stay there. I just got harder and harder to keep trying to stay there. Um, that said, uh, when Dan McLaughlin's situation arose, and that's certainly yeah. a tragic thing, 
um, they called and asked if I would have an interest. Mike Claiborne called me and said, hey, I'm just calling because I'm doing some reconnaissance here. And I said, of course, I'll talk to anybody. You know, my, my standard line has truly been, I don't talk about someone else's job until they don't have it anymore. And no one could have planned what happened happening. Um, and so as great as this chance has been for me, I want to be clear, I'm very sad about that on a lot of different uh, levels with Dan. He's a friend and, and, and praying for, for his return and recovery. Uh, but that said, they called me uh, a week or so before Christmas and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you. Um, obviously, Christmas and New Year's took place. I flew up to St. Louis, I think, the second week of January. Came in here on a Friday morning, interviewed with the Cardinals, interviewed with the Bally people. Uh, they said they'd get back to me soon. I think there was another candidate or two that they wanted to talk to. And uh, Monday morning at 10 o'clock in St. Augustine, while I was on my morning walk, I got a call from uh, Larry Mago at Bally Midwest who said, hey, what's it going to take for us to bring you to St. Louis? And I said, well, do you need more interviews? He said, no, 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 you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. Do you want the job? <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, I think I do. So that's that's kind of how it took place a uh, week before Christmas. And then uh, three weeks later, um, they offered me the position. And uh, and here we are. Yeah. So talk about opening day this year. I, I was down there. It was incredible. Um, obviously, we don't need to worry about the end result of the game. But just the day, the pomp and circumstances with that. Talk, talk to us about that. I mean, being with the Mariners, being with the Cubs, the Braves. I mean, do you witness anything like that anywhere else? No, uh, it's different here, obviously. Um, you know, growing up in St. Louis, I was born and raised here in 1965. Went to Parkway West High School. Was born at St. Mary's Hospital right over by the old Checker Dome and the old arena. Um, I'd never been to an opening day, even as a fan. And I don't believe that in my years doing the Cubs, we ever played opening day against the Cardinals. If we did, it's because the synapses aren't firing. But I don't remember it. Uh, my wife flew in uh, and was asking me what to expect. And all I said to her is, it's going to be unlike anything you've ever seen. You're going to see the Hall of Famers. You're going to see the current players come out. You're going to see the Clydesdales. And I'm telling you, honey, when you see the Clydesdales, they're going to give a standing ovation to the horses. And she said, come on. <laughs> And I said, just watch. So she was up there filming and she's putting all that stuff out on Facebook. Even she was completely and totally blown away. And look, when you're from here, the Cardinals are a civic trust. They're a civic institution. And the, the remarkable job the DeWitt family has done in preserving that here is something that can't go unnoticed. Um, the people that work for the Cardinals understand the role they play in this community. We all who sit in our chairs understand how important the job is. We have a love affair with the team. And for me, it was a, a transition that wasn't easy, but it was made easier because growing up here, I understood that. Um, I understood how important uh, the Cardinals are to civic pride and what they mean to the city and how intensely the fans follow and how much they love their favorite players. And seeing those old guys come around in the convertibles, my guy was Ted Simmons. I couldn't help but get a little emotional about watching him switch hit with the long flowing hair. I wore 23 in Little League because Ted Simmons was my guy. Wow. And in the Cardinals Hall of Fame and seeing him there on opening day was, uh, was obviously one of the highlights for me and I know for the fans as well. Yeah, it's just it really is incredible to watch all those guys that come out and they come back. The the red jackets, they're just they're amazing. So, um, talk about the grind for you. You know, you obviously people see you now and you've had all these years, but you know, you weren't just this guy who was on TV and 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 calling baseball games. There's a certain part of that, right? You go to high school, you go to college, and then you get on the grind. What was that like? Because and just to let everybody know too, you have a fourth generation starting the grind right now, right? So you have yeah, Harry, right. you got your dad, you got you, and now your twin boys are uh, the, the scary sod poodles, right? That's right, the sod poodles down in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, they're in Frisco, Texas today. Uh, you know, the grind is the grind, and it's part of the job. It, you know, it's like a... 
you know, we have a great job and it's, it's a different job. We're, enter, we're into entertainment, right? Our job is to be a conduit between the team and the fans and try to explain what's going on so that they have a better and a fuller understanding and appreciation for what takes place on the field. Um, it is a grind. It's the hardest grind in sports. It's 162 games in about 184, 185 days. Um, you know, we're in a stretch now of 17 straight games without a day off. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're out there trying to perform and do that every day, when you factor in the travel and the time zone changes and all of the media attention that this club gets, that's that's a big part of it. But I'm one of those old school kind of guys that, um, you know, I, I it's what we chose to do. I'm a 162 guy. You start to your season uh, April 1st, you say goodbye to your family, you give your wife a hug and a kiss, and you say, hey, I love you, but my, my mistress is calling. I've got to go do baseball. <laughs> And then I'll come back. Um, I just think that's part of the ebb and flow of, of how we do it. In fact, my wife and I joke, we haven't been married 27 years. We've been married 27 seasons. And I think mm. that's kind of, kind of a look into the, you know, behind the curtain as to how a lot of us think. Our life is truly um, one that uh, follows the ebbs and flows of the season. There's baseball, baseball season, season, then and there's off season. And being able to meld those things and try to make the best of the circumstances uh, being, shall we say, imprisoned by the schedule is a real challenge, but you can't do it without a great partner. I've got the best one in the world, and uh, I'm grateful that uh, she's allowed me to do that. Yeah, so a lot of business leaders listen to this podcast, and I think that, that support system, I mean, touch on that a little bit more. I mean, how crucial is that? Whether you're doing what you do 162 games a year or what I do as a business leader, like how important is that stuff? Hugely important. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll speak personally. My wife said to me, uh, right before the season started, when she saw how um, relieved I was, for lack of a better way of putting it, to see how um, excited I was again, re-energized I was again. She said, you know, I'm really excited about our career for the first time in 20 years. That means mm. a lot, um, you know, because there's a great deal of guilt that I have, and I'm sure a lot of my colleagues have it too. Again, I have four children. Uh, I'm off covering a baseball team and staying at the Ritz-Carlton with the club, and my children are home with the flu and she's up all night with a sick kid yeah. and I can't, I can't get out of it or the car breaks down or you know, you've got a roof leak. All those things that normal, normal careers allow you to deal yeah. with. We can't because I have to be where I want to go. Um, you know, my daughter was born in 1997 in November and uh, my grandfather passed away. I went to Chicago to work with uh, the Cubs. And I remember at the front door, they sent a car for me to take me to the airport to go start my job. And I'm bawling. And my wife said, don't worry, I'll bring her to you. There's a great deal of guilt that I have because uh, my kids are, again, in their 20s and 14. And I've missed half of their life because we don't live where I work. And that's a family decision for myriad reasons. But, I, you know, I haven't seen any of my kids take their first step. I haven't seen my kids say their first words in many cases because I'm gone. And it's not that I want to be. It's that I have to be to provide uh, for my family the way that I can. So, uh, yes, having that support system at home is uh, hugely important. There were ups and downs. There were a lot of challenges, certainly. They have to understand that, again, as I said, I don't want to go, but I have to. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have a, 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 a supporting partner who understands that, that to do the job right, they have to take second place sometimes, it makes it a real, real challenge. And fortunately yeah. for me, over the last decade or so, that hasn't been the case. Yeah. Well, hats off to her. Tip of the cap to your wife, because that uh, takes a special person. But let, let's talk about the um, 
you know, again, business side, you got goal planning, you got just different goals you want to have. Like what, what's that like for you as a, as an announcer? Cause you can't go out and hit the baseball. You can't go out and pitch the baseball, but what, what goals do you have? If there is such a thing, what, what does that planning look like for you? And then what, what does a year look like for you? Like what's a goal for chip Carey for 2023? Well, I'll start with the microeconomics part of it is number one. I think our job is to inform and entertain. Uh, we are on TV for two and a half or three hours a day, and our job is to make sure that the fans, as I said, understand what the heck's going on uh, with the ball club uh, as honestly and as fairly as we possibly can. As you said, there was a stretch of eight games where the Cardinals looked terrible. There's no sugarcoating that. And luckily in this town, fans don't want to be, uh, shall we say, have the wool pulled over their eyes. If they're playing bad, say so. In a lot of markets and places where I've worked, that's not always the case. Uh, when they play well like they are now, I think that honesty uh, allows us to be even more excited and more overjoyed because we've been honest about when things weren't going well. Yes. So inform and entertain, first of all. Secondly, be prepared. Uh, you have to prepare yourself physically and mentally that, hey, it's a grind and get through this week, get through the road trip, get through the first month, the second month, because it truly is a long, long season. As I said, 183 days and 162 games, and that doesn't count spring training or the yeah. postseason. We all, fingers crossed, hope the Cardinals make. Uh, you just have to prepare yourself that you're going to be gone for a while. I, again, I don't live in St. Louis year-round. My family's back in Florida, so I have to move all my stuff up. And then when the season's over, move all my stuff back. And then when I come back home, I have to do the laundry the way my wife was doing it. Not the way <laughs> I, I come in and eventually screw everything up. Yeah. So, uh, it's, just, it's just a constant adjustment. It's just a constant, uh, shall we say, um, you know, battle of you know, being there and being present as much as you can. Thankfully, we have technology that allows us to do that. But understanding that, uh, you know, the job is what the job is. And this is unfortunately yeah. part of it. You can't be there full time. Well, and for you, it's tough, I would assume. I've talked to other guys about this. you got to be on, right? Even if you got the sniffles or you're not feeling well or whatever. Yeah. yeah. People don't yeah. care, right? Yeah. they got to hear you and they want to hear your enthusiasm. Well, it's like a, it's like a player in the in a major league game. If they've got a hamstring pull and they're in the lineup, but they're good enough to play or good enough to be in the lineup, they're good enough to play, right? And a lot of that stuff is yeah. kept from us for strategic reasons, which I understand. Uh, but yeah, I've done games with strep throat. I've done games with pneumonia. I've done games with a horrible cough. Uh, I've done games where um, you know I, I think I had food poisoning a couple of times. But yeah, that's the job. And if we don't work, we don't get paid. So there's obviously a financial incentive. Yeah. <laughs> through those things. Um, but that's just the nature of the job. You know, you, you you find a way to power through. You find a way to to get it done. And if at the end of the day it's three hours that you're not a hundred percent, just give whatever your hundred percent is that day. And I think people respect that. Yeah. Let's talk about the pitch clock. How uh, how much, how big of a game changer was this? Huge. I think it's the biggest thing that we've seen in the game since they lowered the mound after 1968. Uh, baseball's basically just trimmed a lot of the fat out of the game, the, the scratching and spitting and walk-up music and all the silliness that uh, all of us who love the game allowed to invade the sport. It's gone. We had a two-hour and 30-minute game last night. Uh, selfishly, I get paid the same if it's an hour game or a five-hour game, so I'm all yeah. for the uh, you know, two-and-a-half-hour uh, affairs. But on a 19-run game, right? I mean, think about but that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other part of it. I mean, we're seeing still seeing good baseball we're I mean, yeah there's a lot of strikeouts still but by and large the game itself hasn't changed we've just gotten rid of a lot of the garbage that caused people to look at their cell phones instead of looking at the field and i think if you notice the center field camera people are watching their phones they're paying attention to the game and i think yeah. that's response resonated very well with the fans so i applaud baseball for trying this and i applaud the players too for uh, uh by and large not having any problems with it 
So for those Cardinal fans that are listening, they're like, yeah, they're kind of, you know, Cardinal fans get mad pretty quickly, but they also rebound pretty quickly, in, in my opinion, living here for 22 years. Talk to us, though, about the importance of the World Baseball Classic, uh, the pitch clock, you know, a new catcher, all those things. How did that play into that first, you know, month of baseball that really wasn't good Cardinal baseball? Do you think there's a, do you think there's a thing there? Maybe. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of newness here, new coaching staff, a lot of new coaches. Uh, new catcher, obviously, that's a hugely important position for 20 years. Fans in St. Louis, the pitching staff especially, never yeah. had to shake off out of your Molina. Right? You know, right. Day, he's going to throw a fastball, I'm throwing a fastball. So there's a learning curve there. Uh, you know, uh, Miles Michaelis and Genesis Cabrera and Gallegos and Wainwright weren't here. Uh, they were off with their WBC teams. That slowed the learning curve, as it were. But I think, and I say this respectfully, you know, Cardinal fans have been spoiled in a great way. I mean, there's a whole generation yeah. of 16 year olds that have never seen this team have a losing year. So this was a shock to the system, the way that they played. It certainly shocked me. It shocked the players as well. But I love what Ali said. Ali Marmel said, uh, look, we put ourselves in this hole. It's our job to dig ourselves out of it. And I think the Cardinals feel confident that they can do that. They're six and a half games or six, I think six and a half games out of first place, despite being eight or nine games under 500. Don't look at the record. Look at where you are in the standings. That's and right. I think this club is certainly capable of rattling off a run like we're on now more than once and getting back to the top of the division, where I think if you look at the talent level, Cardinals do have the best team. Now it's up to them to show it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It must have put something on TikTok about that 16 or 17 or my 17 year old said, dad, did you know this is the worst St. Louis Carl team in my lifetime so far? Yeah. Like, well, it's crazy. It's We've like been very lucky. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, there were some lean years in Chicago, but you know, that's part of it. It, it truly is character building. And, uh, you know, Mike Claiborne has said he doesn't start to worry about or think about what the team is or isn't until Flag Day. That's the second week in June. That's yeah. a little late. But usually it's the 54-game mark. A third of the way through the season, you really, really have your fingers on the pulse of what your team is and isn't. And that's when the discussions start, not just with your club, but the other clubs, about mixing and matching and making moves to, to improve your fortunes. And I'm confident the Cardinals are going to do yeah. that. Talk hey, to I'm us about switch. a typical – no, go ahead. i got to put some power on my iPad. Hang on a second. All right. Sounds good. All right. I feel like Kip from Napoleon Dynamite technology. <laughs> okay. Put that bad boy in. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Not a problem at all. Okay, we got power again. Sorry. All right. Um, so next question, what was my next question? Was, uh, oh, typical day. What's a typical day like for uh, people like you and, and your job? Yeah, at home I get up. Uh, obviously, I get up early, get coffee, uh, check out all the newspapers, all the websites, read the opposing team's newspaper, read our newspapers, get the clips, read through those. Uh, try to watch the MLB Network, look at the highlights. If there's anything spectacular that comes on, we have a uh, a great statistician named Dan Hyatt who sends us some really cool and obscure stuff that's much more interesting to me than just, hey, he's got two home runs or a five-game hitting streak and how to incorporate that stuff. Um, really what it is, is, as you said earlier, it's kind of like cramming for a test. Uh, you have all this study material. We get a ream of notes about that thick every single day. I mean, it's hundreds of pages of of statistical information that I, you you can't get through it all. And I think yeah. our job is to go through that and pick out the nugget or two that we will probably talk about. The great thing about our job is that nobody at home will know what we wanted to get to and didn't uh, because you've got three games or four games to, to try to get that stuff in. 
Um, but then, then you go do the game, and ultimately the game is going to dictate what you talk about. Uh, we do our, we do our uh, open, we have a production meeting in the booth about 3.30 or 4 o'clock after we talk to the manager and try to formulate some ideas of things we want to talk about during the game and what we talk about in our, our, our stand-up, which is kind of our theme for what we hope to see or what we're predicting yeah. might happen in the game. But obviously, if it doesn't happen, we're not wrong. We talk about why it didn't happen. Uh, last night, or the game, first game against the Brewers is a perfect example. How would Contreras and Flaherty work? That was our subject matter. It was great. Uh, would Arenado keep hitting? He did. Uh, heck, the whole team uh, uh, started hitting again. So it did. Uh, that, that's the kind of game that sort of uh, does the impossible. It makes us look really, really smart. <laughs> but uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of what we do. The game ends. Come back and uh, try to unwind and watch the highlights and look at the other games on the West Coast and then go to bed and do it again. And I think that's, yeah. that's, that's really the, 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 the lesson I would say is it, we're, we try to be boring pros. Routine is really important to all of us. We have our own routines. We do it the same way every single day because to veer from that routine is really uncomfortable and leads to problems because, um, you know, we're, we're truly type a driven, um, uh, <laughs> keep it simple, stupid, boring pros. And, yeah. uh, that's, that's, I think what makes the guys that sit in these chairs really successful, at least yeah. in my opinion. Well, I think, again, not to keep tying it back to business, but I talk about consistently boring, and then I talk about preparation, you know, and, and that's what I'm hearing from you, right? Be consistently yeah. boring and be prepared, right? I got this yeah, much boring. stuff. and Right, yeah, and, and by, by boring, I don't mean you're just drawing on. Both. No. You know, we're, we're excited. We're fans. When they play bad, I think you've heard that in my voice in some of these games. There goes another home run. Like, oh, you know, crap, here we go again. <laughs> or if a guy has a big night, you know, we, we get excited. But it's knowing what to say and when to say it. Um, yeah. And what, more importantly on TV, what not to say. We're all guilty of talking way too much. I know I am. Uh, but it's just the nature of the excitement of the job and loving to talk about our sport. But you're right. Uh, you're boring in your preparation. Hopefully you're not boring in your presentation. And at least you walk in prepared for any eventuality because cameras break, audio goes out, guys get hurt, you know, hailstorms hit, all kinds of crazy stuff. You just have to expect the unexpected and be prepared for that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hold on, hold on for the roller coaster ride and see where it takes you. How good is Brad Thompson? Awesome. Great. Funny. Wonderfully witty. Quick. Dry wit. Uh, eminently prepared. I'm really happy for him. He's so excited about this opportunity to do more games. Um, yeah. And Jim I'm, are, have been awesome partners. They're both great friends. I'm really lucky that wherever I've worked, I've had phenomenal teammates. And I think the thing that characterized my experience in Atlanta was um, these are my coworkers. These are my family. Uh, we actually spend more time with the yeah. men in our broadcast booth and we do our, our children and our, our spouses. And if you don't have that good relationship, it's, it makes for a long, long year. And not just on the TV side, Ricky Horton, John Rooney, Mike Claiborne, Jim Jackson on the radio side have been incredibly welcoming. And we do stuff together on the road. We go to dinner, we go for walks. I mean, uh, it really has been seamless from that standpoint. And so having that kind of a support system for all of us, not just them for me, but me to them, I think has been one of the best parts of the first six weeks yeah. of the season. Yeah. Yeah, again, business-wise, right? The team, the team matters. Who you surround yourself with matters. And if you're surrounded by some bums, you're going to be a bum, right? But you're around <laughs> well, great guys. Try, try to soar with the Eagles, right? Uh, right, exactly. Even, I, don't, I, don't, I think part of my job is I try to make people better, and I hope they make me better, too. Um, you know, yeah. We all have accountability partners in our, in our, in our jobs, and if I, if I screw something up, I'm not too proud to say, hey, I messed that up. I did that last night. I, I got Jack Flaherty's strikeout, uh, season-high strikeout thing, thing wrong. I said eight was a season-high. It would have been eight walks. Uh, I said, excuse me, that's wrong. There's his nine. That's his career. You know, 
pride is a pride's a dangerous thing, right? And it's okay to make mistakes when you don't correct them, as I found out personally and professionally, that leads to most of the problems. So if you make a mistake, admit it, move on. People will, I think, appreciate the fact that uh, you at least were prepared enough to know that and man enough to admit it. So you've had the front row for amazing uh, sports moments in your career. So name, can you talk through some of those favorite ones that uh, stick out the most for you? Well, the one that, that jumps out first, I'm sorry, Cardinals fans, is Kerry Wood's 20 strikeout game. Uh, that was like six weeks into my major league career with the Cubs. Wow. Uh, Charlie, Charlie, Harry Carey uh, in his booth with his partner, his crew, his city, all that stuff. And he strikes out 20 Astros. That was that was certainly his coming out party as a uh, Cubs yeah. player. He was an announcer in a big market. People were like, wow, this guy has a pretty good idea of what he's doing. And that was that was a, that was a big moment, um, you know, for me. For people who follow baseball and like Bill James' game score, um, he's he has postulated that that is the most dominant pitching performance in the history of Major League Baseball. And for me, it was like my 30th game with the Cubs. So wow. that, that was really cool. Uh, my first NBA game, obviously, at 24 years old, I was the youngest guy in the league. And uh, we were doing an exhibition game against the Detroit Pistons, the Bad Boys, and Lambeer, and Dumars, and Rodman, oh, yeah. all those guys, uh, to do that at 24 and, and begin my, um, you know, my, my climb up the ladder was, was great. Um, doing a game with my dad and grandfather in Wrigley Field in Chicago 32 years ago, almost uh, to the day, uh, something that I'll never forget, may not happen again. And now watching my boys grow and flourish and start their way in this crazy business is really, really exciting. And they're super talented. It's only going to be a matter of time, I think, before someone gives them a chance at their young age like they gave me. And, you know, when that happens uh, for them and for my 14-year-old, um, you know, I, he wants to do it too. So uh, we're tougher to kill than COVID, man. You can't do it. Uh, but I'm really, really proud of all of those things. And as I said, you know, my marriage to my wife and and her family and the support system I've been received. I'm really yeah. a blessed person. I love it. Last, last couple of questions here is I know you got to get rolling to the stadium. So um, when you, when you see these players like an Arenado or Kerry Wood in the 98 season, get 20 strikeouts, these, these players are at this next level, right? These MVP type players. Do you, do you notice something different in them when you're, cause you're, you get to rub elbows with them all day, every day. Like what, what do you see that's different from people like that? than maybe just your normal guy on the team. Drive, consistency, expectation of excellence. Uh, they hold themselves to an incredibly high standard. Uh, they're accountable. Uh, you know, the guys that are really, really good in the game are the ones who, if they have a good day, they deflect the praise to others. If they have a really, if they have a bad day or the team loses, they say they find a way to say, well, if I had been better, we would have been better. Uh, that's the essence of leadership, I think, for me. Um, you know, you, we're the we're the face on TV of hundreds of people who if they don't do their job well, we can't possibly look good. And as yeah. I said before, sometimes things happen that are out of your control. It's our job to cover for that and, and hopefully the audience doesn't notice it. The same with superstar players. You know, they're the guys that, that are paid for a reason. They're the guys that are the faces of their club, but they're also the guys that are the first to win. Arenado's a perfect example of that for the Cardinals, the first six weeks of the season. He said, I'm not playing well. And until I do, this is going to be a struggle for all of us. And I know I'm not right, but I'm going to get there. And fortunately for us, uh, who follow baseball, there's a thing called a bubblegum card. And on the back, there are a whole bunch of statistics that give you hope that these guys are going to be within 5%, 10% of those numbers by the end of the year. That's why they're stars. They're consistent. They're accountable. They deflect praise. They accept the criticism. And they hold themselves to a very high standard and try to surpass it each and every day. They get here, and they try to beat it, and beat it again, and beat it again the next day. That's what makes them great.
That's phenomenal. So final question here for you is um, if you could go back and tell the 40-year-old Chip Carey, give him, give that guy some advice, what advice would you have for you? Wow. Uh, what advice would I have? I would say enjoy the ride more. Uh, I think I, I, like all of us in this business, we're so, in such a hurry to get to where we want to go that yeah. we don't enjoy the highs and lows that, that naturally take place. You know, it's the old saying, process over outcome. Uh, that comes with maturity, and I, that's that's still a struggle for me. It's a struggle for my sons because they want to get to the major leagues, and I, I tell them all the time, hey, enjoy the stupid stuff that happens in AA because those will be the funny things you talk about when you're right. because it's the shared experience, right? right. Um, but the 40-year-old, I think I would, um, I would enjoy – um, I would enjoy seeing my kids be a little more. I would enjoy, you know, being around my family more. I wouldn't obsess and worry about things as much. Uh, some of that was the environment from which I came that made that difficult to do. But, you know, the old saying, stop and smell the roses is really, really one that's worth repeating because at the end of the day, I'd rather be remembered as a good husband and father and a great friend than it would be for a guy that said ball too, as well as anybody else in the business. That's the stuff that really matters. And, I've learned that my grandfather never did. My dad did certainly, but wasn't in a position to do it. And I hope that I can do a better job than the two of them and passing that along to the rest of my family. And as I said, the patience of Job that my wife has and is Susan is the reason why uh, I think as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate those things a whole lot more than just a baseball game. It's awesome. Well, thanks so much for being with us, man. It's been awesome having you on the circuit of success. Hang with me here when I hit end, but uh, it's been great having you, Chip. My pleasure. Anytime. We'll see you soon.